Hello and welcome, everybody, to this week in Topical Brainstorm. I'm Garrett Fox. I'm here with my buddy Christian Larson. Christian, how's it going, man? Uh, you know, you know me. I know you. You know how I be. <laughs> living, living the dream. Uh, that reminds me of that office episode. Where Michael's like, ah, just pooping. You know how I be. <laughs> Classic. Uh, classic office reference, man. Uh, well, we recorded like two days ago. Uh, I don't know about you, but not much is different for me. I actually did um, start like a little journal thing on my iPad, which has been kind of nice um, to just write down some thoughts I have. So that's been good. I think I'm going to make that like... A regular thing that's probably that's one of my new goals is to just write down at least once a week my feelings and my thoughts and stuff like that it's good i don't know if i'll ever share them with is, anyone but that's fair is yeah. this a is this a specific journal about certain types of thoughts or certain part of your life or just super general whatever's going it's pretty on general okay just, uh well I'm not like writing down. It's not like a like my dad keeps kept a journal for many years every day and he just like wrote out everything that happened that day. It's not like one of those. It's just like you know, have some thoughts. I'm going to write them down and um whether that be like like spiritual thoughts or or uh you know, just like my thoughts or just like my general feelings. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I can write it down. Yeah. Look back on it in a nice. year from now, maybe and see, see what I was thinking and what I was feeling. Fun to look back. Like what was that? What happened a year ago today? Just, I can go see what you were thinking. What was going what happening? Yeah. That's yeah. I, I, I should journal more often too. I have one, but I, I'm not consistent at all. So. Hmm. I think it's really good for your mental health yeah i agree i definitely agree with that so yeah that's that's one of my new things you got nice. anything new i don't i don't think so it's only been two days so there you go <laughs> i don't think i'm gonna have anything to report on yeah all right well you then did, let's jump you did say you did say you were going to total up your food spending, and technically, these are the last few hours of February right now. So, do you want to do that? I did say did that. You do that? <laughs> I have not done it yet, and it's going to take okay. me quite a while to do it. Simply uh, from the fact that I know there's going to be a ton. <laughs> so, next time, I definitely will do that. All right, I'll keep you to that. Yeah, other than that, uh, I got nothing, so let's jump in. All right, let's do it. So this chapter was really good. Uh, I liked it a lot because it tells you how to make the decision of which which girl is right for you, and it tells you whether the girl you're currently seeing tells you things to look for, like red flags to look for to know whether or not she'd be a good match for you. Uh the first thing it talks about is, uh, so, so the title of the chapter is, is she a hookup or is she 
shoot, well, let me. I think it's just, is she more than a hookup, right? There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So is she, is she more than a hookup? Uh, so that's the title. And the first thing it jumps into is it talks about not making decisions when you're all pumped up with hormones, which I find very, I find that very sound advice. And I wish I had known that a little bit better when I was younger, uh, because I feel like I made a ton of decisions and I had a lot of thoughts and feelings about, about girls that weren't real because it was just hormone based and yeah i don't know what what do you think yeah i think i've i've been given that advice before you know like don't don't make your decision when you're completely infatuated or just completely falling in love because that's when all those emotions of excitement and the things they mentioned in the book dopamine oxytocin all those things are at an all-time high and what the Gottmans mention is that oxytocin blocks the part of the amygdala in your brain that, that creates fear. Or maybe that's the whole amygdala. Regardless, oxytocin blocks fear, which is interesting. And they, they connect that to the idea of sometimes there are red flags that you don't notice. You know, when you're in that stage, there are... There are things that you should have a healthy fear of that you overlook because you're like, this girl's perfect. I'm totally in love with her. My whole life has led me to this moment and she's the one and your, your brain just goes there because you're so excited. Um, and they kind of call that, they, they coin that phrase limerence. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's like a cascade of hormones, infatuation, borderline obsession. And when you're in that state it makes you think that you're being logical, even if you're completely off. You can be having super illogical thoughts, but when you're in that state of infatuation, you think you're you think you're being logical, which is super interesting. And it's it is very hard to separate out those two things and try to think logically, and really really try to think if if this girl's the one when you're when you're all hopped up on those things. So. Yeah, it's a lot of good advice. It was uh, um, really interesting for sure. Yeah, they talk about the oxytocin being the the neurotransmitter that's responsible for uh, for shoot, sorry, it's responsible for bonding and attachment to someone, and when you're all when you're doing when you're making out or if it goes farther than that if you're engaged in such activities you're going to have a ton of that and it's going to inhibit your your decision making and it's just a bad bad mix of of everything so don't make rash decisions in situations where there's a ton of hormones present it's never a good idea i liked that they talked about imprinting they talked about the uh the duck study where this scientist got these new hatchlings to imprint on him instead of their actual bird mother. And what they found was that these ducks would follow him around. And when they actually grew up and got older, 
they tried to mate with humans instead of with, you know, other ducks, which is really interesting. And that ties back to, to the fact that most of us are pretty attracted to our primary caretaker when we were growing or not attracted to them. We're attracted to, to resemblances of our primary caretaker growing up, uh, which I found interesting. And I actually like, like you, you've heard that where you're like guys are attracted to, to women that look like their mom or like their sister. I actually, there's a girl I was crushing on super hard that after I sat down and thought about it, I was like, wow, she reminds me of my sister. This is really odd, but, um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it happened. So I found that interesting. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I've heard that as well. And there probably is some truth to that because, and and it mentions how, if you're a securely attached infant, it you have a lot of benefits in relationships as far as or in terms of handling conflict and whatnot. And I think it it really has an influence on all your relationships growing up, the way you're raised and who you're raised by. And that's not to say you should go look for someone just like your mother. Although I'm, I'm thankful for a lot of good attributes that my mother has that helped me in that search for my wife, for, for Kylie. But I think it really just goes to say that it's it's complicated. There are a lot of nature and nurture things going into, into your brain and into your thought process, processes when you're looking for, looking for a partner. And um, I... I, let's see, I lost my place in my notes. <laughs> um, You're good. I'll just let you take it, Garrett. I, I, I'm lost, so. <laughs> All right. I, it's complicated. I can, I can go off that. Yeah, I mean, so you mentioned the, uh, the word, oh, crap, what was that word? securely attached just so just so the audience knows that's a term that they use in the book that means um you're you're a securely attached individual if you grew up in a a loving household usually between ages like six months to 18 months is what they defined it basically you know you had loving parents that you were securely attached to and that's what they define that as and you're right, you shouldn't search for someone that's exactly like your mom, but you know, you might find someone that reminds you of your mom and then when you're married to her, you'll realize, oh, she reminds me of my mom, which is kind of funny. Um, so this chapter is really cool though because of the, they, they tell you what to look for and what specifically what not to look for in women, like red flag type things that are easy to miss if you're making these decisions when you're all hopped up on oxytocin and dopamine. Um, and the first thing they talk about is like knowing her heart. Do you want to take it from there? So as Garrett said, the first of these three sections is they title it the heart and they give a few examples of questions that you should basically ask yourself about this girl 
to analyze if she really is a good match. And to give a few of those, they talk about you should try to notice if she's kind to her friends and family, if she complains about her friends and her family, if she's very negative, if she blames others. Um, does she take responsibility for miscommunications within her friend, friends and family? Is she honest? Does she lie? Does she make excuses? Is she loyal? Um, does she keep, can she keep secrets that are entrusted to her? Just those are, those are some examples, but it's, it's a look at her, her personality and how she interacts with people. And that's obviously super important. I think a lot of times we are blinded by, by looks and by the body and the physical things, which I'm sure we'll jump into that a little bit more in a second, but definitely super important to, to know, to be aware and to try to make note of what kind of heart, uh, your girl has, see if she's actually a good candidate for a long-term match. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, I think, so the next one it talks about the next category is know her mind, you know, the mind is important. <laughs> uh, mostly it talks about trust, though, in this know her mind section. It's like, does she trust you? Do you know she trusts you? Does she say she trusts you, but snoops through your phone to look at your text or your emails? Does she interrogate you about where you've been? Uh, does she hate all your friends? You know, stuff like that. Does she text you a lot and not wait for a reply? Like these are red flags, obviously. Everyone knows that. But they're easy to miss if you're all flooded up with hormones. So again, make the decisions when you're not in that situation. For sure. Uh, shout out to my wife, Kylie. An example of, of that. I, and from the previous, the heart. One thing I think she's really good at that helped me know that she was the one was how loyal she was. She was very loyal to the people in her life, um, her friends and people that she'd gotten to know throughout college. She was very, very willing to take time out of her schedule to, to help them out or do whatever they needed, uh, which I really liked. And she was also very trusting of me, she never, I never felt like she was interrogating me about what I was doing. Um, and maybe that speaks more to the fact that she just didn't think I could get any other girl, but, uh, I appreciate <laughs> it. I appreciate that she, uh, yeah, she's never done anything like that to make me feel like being interrogated or make me feel like she's classic, you know, stereotype, but crazy woman. Um, thinks I'm cheating on her. So I appreciate that. And that was, those were very good signs um, that helped me to know. Yeah. Oh, that's good stuff, man. Wow. Kylie for the win. <laughs> so the next category that they talk about is the body, which I thought it was going to be kind of gross when I read it, but it was just like, basically it just says, there has to be some sort of physical attraction at the start. Um, even if if you like someone for their, their personality or whatever it may be that's not physical, 
there has to be some sort of physical attraction at the start or it just won't be there at all. It just that physical attraction, if not there at the start, it doesn't just develop if there's nothing to begin with. I mean, obviously I feel like you can meet someone that you're not like super physically attracted to and they become more attractive as you get to know them. I I do believe that. And I know that's true, but there's gotta be at least something there at the start. Yeah. I think that's really important. And I think attraction is, is a very important part of marriage. Um, because as you said, it can't, it can't be forced, you know, if there's no spark and, and like you said, it doesn't mean that she has to be the girl that you noticed right away. And you saw her from across the crowded room and you're like, she's the most beautiful girl ever. Beautiful girl ever. I'm slurring my words, but there does have to be something there. And I, I definitely think that those things can develop, but I also think that, as I said, it can't be forced. And I think it's very important even for a long-term relationship or a marriage because there are definitely distractions and there are definitely, as you get comfortable with someone, it gets easy to, to be complacent about, about them or about your relationship, about your marriage. And that attraction being there definitely helps to, you know, rekindle the sparks when necessary. And it just, it, it helps with all sorts of other things just in, in normal. And I'm not talking about sex specifically, but just in normal daily interactions, um, being attracted, naturally attracted to your, your partner, I think is, is very important. But I would agree. So sorry, go on. I was just going to also say, I definitely think an issue we have in our society is, is that way too much emphasis is put on, on the physical side of things and that people don't, they don't explore other options solely based on someone being attractive, which I think, I think, as you said, there has to be something there. And I think people are too picky and there can be something there, but they don't explore it. And I think that leads to a lot of a lot more lonely people than there need to be, if that makes any sense. I would agree. No, I would agree with that. All right. This next part of the chapter is I thought was phenomenal because it just lists off different <laughs> personality types. And I feel like I was trying to match different people I know to each personality, (laughs) which is not probably not a good thing because these are all negative personalities that you shouldn't look for in a a woman. And the first one it talks about is the, the damsel in distress. All right. So the damsel in distress, this is how you know if she's the damsel in distress. Is she always the victim does she derive her identity from her traumas or her family woes? You know, she'll view you as as the hero uh, in her life, but eventually you'll just become one of the bad guys that uh, that she has so many of already. So don't be fooled by the damsel in distress, all right? Is there anything else that the chapter said about the damsel? <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. I think you I think you got the main points. I did like how they they said that they talk about playing the victim and and then they said you will eventually switch sides and become a bad guy. Um 
when you when you get involved with a woman like this. I I also like the next one. They just they mentioned the princess is the title they give this woman. Just how she thinks she's above everyone else. She treats people badly. Um, she doesn't say thank you. She is really entitled. And the reason these things are issues, besides the obvious, is that this she will develop unrealistic expectations of you. And although you may seem like a prince at first, ultimately you will fail. And you will fall below her and her hierarchy as well. Which leads to plenty of misery, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure too. Um, no empathy as well. Uh, and puts others down to make her feel good. All right. The next, the next uh, personality type is the, uh, the computer which I read the competitor like 40 times when I was reading the freaking book. I kept reading the word wrong. It's like, that I don't think I've right. ever seen that. I don't think I've ever seen that word in print. So it was, it was weird for me too to try to read that out loud. Yeah, I, I haven't either. So the computer, she leads with her successes. She rarely, rarely shows interest in you, uh, tries to one up you and all the other people around her. She flirts with other guys to make you jealous um, just to, just so that you know that you're lucky to have her. Uh, she delights in, in the mistakes of others, controls, she's very controlling, controls others and herself, and may struggle to experience joy and pleasure. And as I got done reading The Competitor, I was like, the male version of this personality type is just a tool. You, yeah, know? you know what I'm talking about tool if you say a tool everyone knows what you're talking about like oh that guy's a tool <laughs> yeah uh and the last stereotype they give is the drama queen they define her as how drama and chaos just follow her everywhere her life is a series of problems and she looks to you to fix them every day is a new crisis they mention the example they give is she runs out of gas, gets locked out of her house and has endless drama with exes and friends alike. She may even have a drug or alcohol problem. So obviously an extreme example, but, and I think all of these stereotypes are explained to the extreme, but they're all red flags. And the drama queen specifically is an issue because she's a lot of work and ultimately a person is not a fixer upper. And then they ask a question, are you willing to accept her just as she is if nothing changes? Um, which is funny. And I think one other one other key point I guess I wanted to touch on from from before this is all of these these red flags and things are important because one claim that the Gottmans make is that people don't change at their core. Who they are and how they treat people won't change. Which... I think I'd want to discuss that a little bit because uh, I see what they're saying. A part of me does not agree because I definitely think people can change and do change. But the part I agree with is that you shouldn't, you shouldn't rely on someone to change for you or shouldn't rely on someone to change in a certain way because you want them to. 
Yeah. I'll read in between the lines a little bit here and say that I think probably what John and Julie meant is people don't generally change for other people. They will change if and when they decide that they want to. So you can't you can't go into a relationship thinking that, oh, that's okay, this person will change and become the person I want them to be. Generally, people are fine with the way they treat others until they see the problem, uh, if until they see a problem with how they're treating others. So I, I agree with them, and yet I don't, because I know people can change as well, but I, I do understand what they were what they were getting at there. Yeah. So don't don't bank on the girl you're dating to become less crazy once you get married. <laughs> Yeah. And don't don't uh close your eyes to those red flags because they most likely will not go away. Yeah, that's true. They they also talked about like there's a fine line between uh let me let me grab it grab my copy of the book and just open that up because I, I thought it was a pretty funny line that I would like to read. All right, this character list is by no means an exhaustive study of the types of women to avoid when asking yourself if she's more than a hookup, but rather some general guidelines to go by. There are some traits that are indicative of larger person- personality dis- of a larger personality disorder, and there can be a fine line between a- being a damsel in distress and having a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, or being a princess and having a clinical diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder, or being a drama queen and having a serious substance abuse problem. So, I mean, sometimes these red flags are indicative of something even even deeper, like an actual diagnosis. So just be aware of that. Don't, don't blind yourself by or with your hormones. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. I definitely think the majority of cases, it's, it's going to be a lot harder to see than, than the examples we laid out. Right. But that's why it's so important to, to, to take inventory of, of this person you're considering for a, for a a wife or or a long-term relationship, because there are things that are going to pop up later that you may not be able to live with if you aren't careful uh they actually give advice on that too i'll just read the last two paragraphs which are pretty short uh the most important question to ask yourself about the woman you want to date or have a relationship with is this how does she make you feel when you're with her is there a sense of ease in relating uh, and laughing that makes you feel like you've somehow come home do you feel energized and happy? Are you able to talk endlessly and communicate well? Do you have the same values? Do you want to know everything about her and bring her to meet your friends and family? Does she make you feel good about yourself? Does she bring bring out your inner hero? Uh, if, you're, if your body, mind, and heart are all in alignment with hers, uh, then there's a very good chance she's more than a hookup. There you go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure this video is is screwing everything up because there are some super long pauses. 
I I think you need to stop watching my lips because we were better at this before when uh, we couldn't see each other. Honestly, though, I'm not even like watching your lips. It's it's mostly what I've noticed on my end, at least, is the pause comes after I'm done talking. Really? Yeah. Huh? Because I feel the other way around, so. I feel yeah. like you're the one taking the long pauses after I'm done talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, because like for me, it's like a five-second pause after you're done. Or after, sorry, there's like a five-second pause after I finish before you start talking. And then that's just funny if it's the opposite for you. Well, I think it lines up better on, I don't know, the one I edited a couple days ago. It seemed to line up better. I don't think it was this bad, but maybe we need to uh, find a new website. (laughs) This video thing doesn't (laughs) seem to be working out. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. We, I think we we might need a new website for sure. Anyway, thanks for listening to our two-minute banter at the end of this podcast about the crappy video quality. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Do you have anything left to add? I don't think so. I think we covered it. All right. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Topical Brainstorm. I am Garrett Fox. This is Christian Larson. It has been fun. (laughs) Ciao. Bye, everybody.